Good morning and welcome to day four, number 129 with the man Frank Scalish. Last week was story time. This week, part two is story time. How's it going, Uncle Frank? It is going well, actually. I can't complain. A little hot here, but it's going okay. At least it's not Texas. They're like 75 days into 100 degrees. Yeah, no, you can have that crap. I'm, I'm, I, we're a couple days into the mid nineties, and I'm, I'm ready to move to Canada. <laughs> hey, I finally got a, uh, I got a functioning passport that came in uh, last week, so I can now trot the globe, so to speak. That's that's excellent. I, on the other hand, have procrastinated with my passport, and still do not have said documentation. Have you um, applied for it? No, I haven't. I have the application here filled out. I just too lazy to go. I had my application filled out and then it sat there for like three years. Meanwhile, my current passport expired and then I didn't know how to get it renewed anyway. Fortunately, after some sleuthing, we figured out that I had to go <laughs> to the to the courthouse and then have my old anyway it was a pain in the butt cost a couple hundred bucks but it came Correct. in the mail came in the mail i got it i'm good to go that's perfect dude. now i just have to get the real id i guess everyone has to have one of those by 2025 to travel yeah I, I have that um, okay but, but that's not a pass but that doesn't substitute for a passport no i guess your passport could substitute for that though probably i guess i'm not 100 percent. i'm sure. just saying the way the show is going, you're going to be worldwide sooner rather than later, Frank. So you might want to. Yeah, I should have. Well, in all honesty, I should have had it um, already just based on work. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine expired and it went over the date. Where you could just go and turn. Yeah, it that's in the sa- same thing that happened to me. Yeah. So now I have to go through all the paperwork and fill everything out. Again. You got to go to like, you can go to like the court. There's some deal. You can go to like the courthouse or something. Cause that's what we ended up doing. And I walked upstairs past all the people who had made poor life decisions into like some little office where there was a, <laughs> some lady. And I said, Hey, I said, I got this passport here. And she's like, okay, here's what you got to do. And we filled out all this stuff and then sent it off. And then boom, it came in the mail. Perfect. Did you have to bring your old passport? Uh, I brought my old passport and they sent my old passport in and then sent my old passport back and like stapled it and stamped it to show that it was like expired. But that's what I had to use instead of an original copy of my birth certificate, which I also had. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know if I could find my birth certificate. They didn't make them back then. They chiseled them on a stone. (laughs) (laughs) But I I did not. I did not have to have it, even though I thought I did. Uh, I just brought my old expired passport in, which served. Perfect. In exchange, so then I didn't have to wait for them to send that back to prove I'd been born. Excellent. That's uh, going to be my. That's going to be my procedure. I'm going to take care of that next week. I got a hell of a picture from you the other day. Uh, I know that I like to make you jealous every time I go crappie fishing. I not only send you a picture of the screen, I then send you a picture of the crappie we catch, and then I call you and tell you about how amazing it was while you I know. while you just <laughs> grunt and moan on the other end. I did. It's so true. <laughs> I can't, I'm like, God bless it. <laughs> and I finally, I finally, the favor was returned. You sent me sign imaging and uh, active oh, target yeah, active pictures target. of crappie, and then called and said, "Dude, I blasted him." Yeah, true. That's true. Um, yeah, I was, I'm trying to, I'm trying to become very proficient with my, um, forward facing stuff. 
And so the best way to do it is on crappie because they're plentiful. You get mm-hmm. rewarded. Um, and so I, the other day I went out specifically to do that. I got my 14 foot rods. Um, um, I forget what the blue ones, what are they called? The bat, uh, the crappie tank, uh, Denali rods. Yeah. The crappie tanks. So I got those because Powell doesn't make a, you know, the 14 foot uh, crappie stuff. And, um, so I got those and I, and, and I, you know, I called, I called Matt up and I said, you know, what line recommendation, blah, 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 blah. Cause I'm getting everything set up. And of course I didn't listen exactly to 100% what he said about the line. Cause I got my own theories. Um, and then of course you were a hundred percent correct when you said, I'm going to have some issues with uh, wind wrap. And, yeah. <laughs> and so it's weird. You don't think crappie that you need to go 20 and heavier on braided line on no, a 14 foot rod. But you, you tell them why I tell them the reason why. Well, most of the time when you're the whole reason for the long rod is you're dropping vertically on the fish. So there's no, it's not like you're putting line past them. So the only, the first thing they see is that jig and then the lines above it. Well, the crappie are up feeder. So there's no line below them. So when you have a thinner diameter, I mean, it's like dental floss and it blows around in the wind. Two reasons. If you go up to 30 pound test on your crappie, you can see it on your, your screen a lot better it's a defined line that you can see but it's also a heavier line so it doesn't get blown around in the wind as much right and therefore you can see the line and it doesn't do the old square knot in the tip of the guide where and then you have to walk the rod all the way back and then you're just like i mean there's there's a lot of uh a lot of uh cursing that goes on with yes. light light like 12 pound braid and 14 pound or 14 foot rods yeah, there was a lot of cursing going on, and that. But then, too. when it works, it's it's a beautiful thing when you know that yeah. you're just you're dipping, dipping, and dunking. Right. Well, I I mean, I found some tricks out to help stop a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It still happens, but it stopped ninety percent of it. Um. And so yeah, so I went out the other day because I said I have to get so good at this, especially when I come back down to you, because yeah. now I now I can bring my fourteen footer with me. And, uh, and then I don't have to keep borrowing your stuff and oh, rifling and pillaging through your goods. That's what it's there for. You're going to have to bring, uh, you have to bring some, uh, sure, some babe. of the goods, some of the, uh, some of the, uh, Great Lakes finesse stuff, which will transition nicely into crappie season, which I don't think anybody has thought of yet. <laughs> no, I did catch some on it, uh, the other day. Most of the stuff I caught was on the Bobby Garland stuff though. Yeah, the Bobby um, Garland is is the uh the crappie stuff of choice, but when you start getting into the jumbo stuff where you're you're catching the crappie that have three, four inch shad sticking out of their throats. Yeah, you gotta go you gotta go big or go home. I'm saying I don't think people realize it, but the Great Lakes finesse stuff is going to translate into the Sokale world seamlessly oh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be ruthless <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be ruthless dude <laughs> uh so last week we had a really cool show and it was kind of an impromptu show uh just as far as how we got into it and then we got deeper into the weeds and it was kind of your your entry into the professional yes. fishing world and what happened and how you got into it i actually fished the thursday nighter after our show uh, and a gentleman 
at Shawnee Twin Lakes came up and he's like, man, he's like, I got home and I turned on Uncle Frank and he goes, man, he, his passion made me tear up. Yeah, it made me tear the up. Show. Yeah, so show. <laughs> uh, if you remember exactly where we left off before, uh, yeah. maybe just a quick, like a quick recap, like they used to do on like Dawson's Creek for before the next show came on of what was happening on the show. And then, and then diving into the second half, which is really kind of the uh, Pradco second half and your current, uh, your current job. Yeah. So we left off. Matt was pointing out some logos on my Jersey and the iceberg shot. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the iceberg. Yeah. Shot. Let me see if I can find that again. And we'll yeah. I'm sorry to put you through that. Were you, did you, is that, is that a picture of what I sent you on your computer screen? What? Is that a picture of what I sent you on your computer screen? No. Okay, because it looks like it. It's funny because I thought you were going to pull that picture up. Hold on. I'm pulling not, up. not that we need to. I'm pulling up the Frank Scalish shot. The iceberg. Um, yes. The advertising agency iceberg. Okay. So so the, we left off right here where you were mentioning the um, Silver Thread logo and the Bomber logo. Um and the oh, Booyah man. logo. I'm having difficulty with this here. That's let me, okay. You're, let me remove this till I get it dialed in. So anyway, so that's where we were. So that was my my uh, rookie season jersey, um, 2001 or two. Yeah, something to that effect. And then and then you we were talking about my OSI sponsorship, how I got it, what transpired, and now we're there it is. It, there it is. And so and now we're gonna get into the fishing side of this game. So the bottom logo, the bottom logo underneath the bomber logo is Booyah. Yeah, that's how I that's how we got into this. I was like, Holy cow, you had them back then. How did that relationship come about? And then it was like ding, hours up. We'll tune in next week for that part. Now I right. So the irony of the whole thing is that I'm fairly certain that I was on Eufaula in Alabama, and I just qualified for the classic, and got approached by Pradco Outdoor Brands for a sponsorship. Um, we were tightening everything up and we had to do it fast because I needed the jerseys and everything had to coincide. So it had to happen relatively quickly. So I was interviewed by, I was interviewed by a guy, his name was Chris, and I'm not going to get into too many, too much detail on that, but as time progressed, we became very good friends. Um, the working relationship just um, advanced into a really good friendship, but I'll never forget the interview because the one they asked me a million questions. Okay. Um, right down to, you know, what your favorite lures are, blah. They wanted to see how the fit was going to be. And if I actually use their products anyway. Um, so they wanted to see how the fit was going to be. So I, I, I didn't lie about it. I, I told them the the whole litany of my lure choices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they wanted, you know, they asked me what my favorite crankbaits were. I told them Normans, obviously that's what I grew up fishing. Normans, fat free shads, um, 
you know, so I had I had been, and then of course the bomber six A and seven A, and then back in the day the the Rebel Deep We Are, um, and mm -hmm. so I so I had a lot of products that they that they made in my arsenal already. So the fit was good. Um, they asked me, you know, what my favorite fishing lines were. I told them Silver Thread, um, because in my opinion it was the best line made. Um, and, and if it was still being made today, it would still be. Um, but anyway, the, uh, then they asked me a question that I didn't expect. Um, he said, what do you hope to gain out of all this? That could go in a million different directions. Mm -hmm. But I said the first thing that came into my head, and that was, I want to be involved in this industry in some capacity down the road other than just fishing and that kind of started to launch the design stuff started happening at that point little bit here little bit there um worked it into the contract i got a little bit of royalties from the stuff i did it was it was it was not it was not one of the no offense to anybody that is involved in this company, but it wasn't the get rich quick scheme. It was very little bits of money, very little bit as, as, um, as, as, as I'm familiar KBD. with that. I, yeah. I worked for Jeffries for a decade. <laughs> as KVD told me, it's not even beer money. So, so anyhow, so, but I stayed with it because I had the sponsorship. I was fishing the elites. Mm -hmm. And, and they I, give you a little side project, a little piece to work correct. on, like, hey, tweak, you want to work on tweak at this? You want to add a little bit of color to this? Right. And because of your interest that you'd had since a kid that you went into the last time and lure design and color bait and stuff, it kind of and, made a natural fit. Right. And one of my favorite things was, um, well, there's actually, I have two favorite things, but but one was that there was an issue with a mold and an issue with another company. And so they said, can you look at this and see how we can get around, around the patents and stuff? And I said, yeah, let me take a peek at it. Send me the mold, send me the um, uh, blueprints of the mold. So they did. Um, I tweaked it out a little tiny bit. We, we got, we got away from all the legality stuff and it worked. And that was the first big project that I was, was put on and it was, a, it was a massive success. So, so then, then I started getting involved in the industry while I was still competing. Um, <laughs> I think is that, that might be SRAM or is that, I don't know who that is. How but, um, Shram? Brian. Oh, Brian. Okay. So, so at any at any rate, so I while I was fishing, I was getting involved in the industry. Okay. At, at a slow pace because because the tournament trail was monopolizing every free minute that I had because I'd never been on these lakes before, so I was leaving a tournament, going to a different lake, going to a different lake, going home, leaving for a tournament. So I was kind of, 
bouncing all over the country. But you're living the dream, literally, right now. You're a professional angler with 100%. paid sponsorship going from lake to lake. 100%. I wouldn't have traded it for anything on the planet. I wouldn't have traded it. And honestly, well, maybe I, I won't say that yet. But I, I will. I don't care. Honestly, um, part of me wishes it was still happening today. Yeah. Um, but the, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I don't want to go down it right now. But, um, yeah, so I was currently getting involved in the designing of things. And um, one thing led to another. And sure enough, um it start. It just. It just. It just started to take off. Where where the, my designing and my creating colors, et cetera, et cetera, started starting to move in a pretty rapid mm -hmm. pace. Do you remember the first thing that like you were like, "Holy cow!" Like they came to me with this, and it's actually like out in a package now. Whether it was a color or a tweak or anything that. You yeah, were, like, I did. I did. I did. I did a bunch of color designs specifically for Pittman Creek. Okay. Um, and he, and that transpired. This was funny. I come I come on board with Pradco, and at the time, they had a stacked house full of pros. I mean, they had them all, and um, you know, Jimmy Houston uh, Tim, was Timmy Horton, Zell, Timmy, yeah. all those guys, stacked house. And so the first big meeting I had with with them was um, we all had to go down to Fort Smith, and we had to bring um lure ideas and so i started looking at what was going on um and a, and a lot of a lot of the guys just wanted a lot of the guys just wanted a lure that they liked that they caught fish on on a certain body of water they wanted it to be produced so they can fish that instead of somebody else's brand um and and i saw i saw that direction coming while we were you know, before the meeting, I saw that direction coming by just talking with some of the other pros around me. And so I went home like a madman and I, I went through every single brand, every single line. I made three ring binders that were literally, this is going to be crazy. That were literally like this fat. Cow. And so I made these three ring binders and I put all my lure ideas in chronologically based on everything from hard baits all the way to soft plastics, um, spinner bait designs, buzz bait designs, you name it. I had it in there. It was all done, illustrated up real nice. It even had wider dimensions and everything in it. It was laid out. Yeah. And I gave one of those binders to everybody of the powers to be, but I did not give any of them to any of the other pros to look at. So we go sit in the meeting and they start the meeting and they, they said, Frank's going to get up and talk first about some of the hard baits. And so the first, the first baits I tackled was the fat free shad series. And, um, I had wound up speaking for probably, I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but when I got done on the hard baits, we broke for lunch. And so, I was like, <laughs> so I was just like, wow, this yeah. is my first, you know, this is my first inception into this company. And so at any rate, so what happens is we come back from lunch and I'm like, okay, nobody's going to want to hear from my ass anymore because 
I just monopolized the whole morning. You yeah. know what I mean? So we come back from lunch and I, and I, I caught some flack from some of the other pros. Um, like, holy cow, Frank. Basically, <laughs> like stuff. basically it was like, I'm not going to single anybody out in particular, but it was like juvenile grade school stuff on the playground. So I said, whatever, dude, I said, I'm here to try, I'm here to try to make a difference. I said, you do whatever you do. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite as nice as that. So anyhow, the, the long and short of it goes, we come back from lunch. I sit down in my seat and, and I'm like this, just waiting for everybody to get in. Everybody gets in and, and, the, and they go, um, okay, Frank, get up here and do your soft plastic stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? So, and, and I, and so I, I did, I, yeah, show off. <laughs> so I got, I got up there and I did all that. And then, um, and then as time progressed and the seasons progressed, and now we're talking about, you know, five years later, um, I, I had, uh, let's just say a difference of opinion with somebody. And, um, I was guiding for steelhead because it was in the winter. I was guiding for steelhead and, um, I got a phone call on the river and, um, they let me go. They said they were trimming, they were trimming a lot of the fat and they let me go. Um, the reason they let me go was because I refused to do something um, that I was asked to do. And th that, that person is no longer, does no longer work there, which is why I'm there now. Um, okay. Because I would not work there as long as he was there. I wasn't going to do it. And so, so anyway, so the long and short of it is, so I started doing more design work for them. And even though I was no longer sponsored by them on, as the Bass Pro, um, I was still fishing as a pro, uh, still doing my stuff just without their logos on them. And I was still designing for them. I still use this stuff because I catch fish on it. So whatever. Um, so that would explain why, like in this picture, no, that's, that's no silver thread, Pradco, booyah, and nothing. 100% correct. Okay. I wondered about that because I showed it and some of the pictures you had it and some of you didn't. And I was like, well, wonder why I didn't. And that's so right. that kind of, that explains it. Right. So, so I, I, so that was, that's what happened. And so then as, as <laughs> my inner biffle came out, oh my God, you guys are out of your minds. How you remember all this crap is beyond me. So at any rate, so, so then time moves along, um, and I and I and I'm I'm winding down towards the end of my pro tournament career, not not knowing it was coming. I had no earthly idea this was happening. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this. This is when OSI made some changes. And, and they were actually they bought sold. Out. Yeah, they yeah, were they, bought out. Right. And you're a business guy. And what they came back with, you're like, there's no way I can Correct. do it at this cost. So instead of going into debt or based on your winnings, you hung it up. We've talked about that in previous. Correct. So, okay. so that, so that's when all that transpired. So in the, in the meantime, I don't know if I'm going to have a job. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. The, the money that I'm making from designing is not enough money to even come close to making a living or paying, you know, bills for four kids and my wife. So, 
I got to really think about all this shit. So I sold, I wound up selling my bass boat because it, it bought me time to pay bills mm-hmm. while I looked for gainful employment. I wound up then going to work for my brother um, at the body shop. So that's when I hooked up with PPG, the paint company. Ah. And that's when my eyeballs popped out of my head because I saw products there that hadn't come out on the market yet. You know, pearls that change color yep some guys call it flip flake some guys call it um uh chameleon um but i saw this stuff before it actually came out stuff that was meant to go on like cars yeah vehicle paint jobs right so i got my hands on this stuff before it came out and i started painting with it and i was like holy moly this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. And so then I just, and then everything just uh, from there, everything else just started to snowball. And then I had gotten offers before um, to come and work in the industry. And it was, I'll be very honest with you. I was declining them all because it was volatile. I wanted job security um, I didn't like what I was doing for a living, but I was getting paid good and I had a job for as long as I wanted it because my brother owned the company. So I was good. Um, and I was petrified of uh, that feeling I had of not knowing where my future was going. So I was having a lot of conversations with the guys I'm working for now. And then finally, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore because I really want to be in the industry. And so I did, I jumped over, I, you know, told my brother, thanks for the memories, um, hopped on over into the industry and never looked back. Um, because this is where, this is where I belong. I mean, this is, this feels to me like I'm living life. I'm not going through life. I'm living mm-hmm. life. And I like that feeling. Now, you know, like all businesses, it's not without headache because there's always headaches in business, but there are headaches that you can manage stress-wise because I love the industry. And so it's it, it, it it's not the stress of being somewhere trapped where you don't want to be. So it's very, it's, my life got very relaxed. Um, My personality got very relaxed. I wasn't as always on edge and and always on guard. You know what I mean? So it's really turned into something great. There was a higher strung Uncle Frank than this version? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The other version of me was, um, oh, I was on pins and needles, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, David, you got to do what you love, man. There's no doubt about it. If you're fortunate enough to do so, um, you you have to follow your dreams and your passions because that's really how it goes. Um, You know, I had what years? Sorry, what years are we? What uh, roughly what timeline are we talking about here? Two thousand. Okay, so two thousand ten. It was I made the classic, won the points. My fishing career was over. Um, yeah. I tried to run the circuit without the money. I got into three events and I said, this is ludicrous. I'm pissing everything I have away. I bet you were a joy to be around during that year. 
No, I was not. <laughs> and 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 actually, um, and and actually, it became very um, stressful. Yeah, and you was, get into it to enjoy it, not right. to not to hate your life. Right. And so it, what happened was I was on. I had to make checks now. I absolutely had to cash a check. And so when you fish with that kind of pressure, you make mistakes because you're not, you're not free thinking. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not sliced in your moment. You're trying to make a moment. And when you try to make something happen, that's when you miss clues. You, you're not dialing in on a pattern because you're, I'm worried about catching my fifth fish, not my first fish. Um, you know, where, when I started fishing, all I cared about was the first fish I caught. Yeah. I got to catch one. And then when I caught one, I'd be like, okay, now we're going to catch another one. And I never thought about the fifth fish or the call. You know what I mean? Well, that, that year I was trying to run this thing out of my own pocket. I was always thinking about my call fish and I don't even have one in the boat yet. And so what was happening was I was scrambling. And when you, when you scramble, you can't, you can't succeed when you scramble because there's no, there's, there's no focal point. There's no process. Yep. Um, you're just, you're just doing shit. There's no process for what you're doing. So you miss a lot anyhow. Um, so that's kind of, that took us into, let's just say, we'll say 2011. Okay. okay. Um, and then five or six years with my brother's body shop. And then I think I picked up this gig in 2019 and I've been doing this ever since 2018 or 19. And I've been doing it ever since. That's phenomenal. And then we started day four with Mark. Oh, you came on as a guest cause you and Mark were buddies. Uh, Correct. Correct. Were buddies when back in 2000, right when I started tour. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When I 2008, started eight, not seven, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight is when Jeffrey's, Walked in and said, I quit, put a box of stuff in a bag bag of donuts on his boss's desk at UPS. Yeah, that's, that's right. And walked out. Uh, and then met you. Yeah. And then I remember uh, we were, we did a series of like, where are they now? Series of guys. And I think you might've been one of the, you know, uh, kind of blast from the guys who used to be that we went back and kind of revisited and mm-hmm. worked really good and then came back. And then, uh, I had just started fishing the opens of the Toyota series in that 1920. So he would have you on as a guest host every now and then. Correct. Especially when you guys went to the smallmouth fisheries. Yep. That's how, that's what, that's one of the first ones was one of the smallmouth gigs. Um, I forget where you guys were, but you, it was small mouth heaven. And so then they had Mark had me on then. And then, and then that's when he came up with the idea for day four. Yeah. And then he promptly retired. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He said, okay, Matt and Frank, see ya. (laughs) And we picked it up from there and here we are. Uh, I think Mark got what 30 or 40 day four episodes in. Yeah, some something to that effect. And we're up uh approaching uh 120, 120 now. 128. Yeah, this is at 129, I think. Yeah, we're at that's right. This is the 129th show today. So it turned out, you know, and then I have friends at home that that um they're so funny. They're like, dude, you're so lucky, man. This all happened overnight. 
And I said, overnight, none of it happens overnight. I, I'm like, overnight, I said, go, go from, you know, 2001 to 2019 or 2002. You're talking 17 or 18 years of overnight, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't overnight. Trust me. Winning the lottery is overnight. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't overnight by any stretch. Well, I mean, you, you, appreciate it more and you have an understanding for it so you're more valuable because you know every little nuance and step along the way instead of just being thrown into something that yeah. you're trying to get get a grasp on yeah and i learn stuff every day um you know i i'm 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 to that point where i don't because i don't compete anymore i don't want to get left behind mm-hmm. um in the dust you know what i mean uh so i i continue i continually research new techniques um new stuff you good um, that was a litany of texts yeah it's oh my gosh going, oh my gosh uncle frank what has happened my daughter is um she uh auditioned for some shows and she got them oh congratulations that's yeah, your daughter that's out in la yeah, yeah. That you love visiting because of the because <laughs> of how much you love LA. I I can't stand LA. But I but I love my daughter, so I would walk through fire and brimstone for her. Uh next time so. we're out in uh LA, I know some folks out there and we might be able to get you on the water. If you would enjoy that, if you knew that maybe you had a, a double yeah, digit could- trip or some calico bass or something in your future. Dude, calicos would be so much fun to fish with, fish for. They hang out in the big kelp beds. Yeah. So my uh, uh, Matt Florentino, who works for uh, AFCO, he does a lot of their PR stuff. So his dad is like one of the greatest tournament calico bass fishermen and guides of all time. They're right there, you know, about an hour south of uh, L.A. They go out and they smash them. They like flip them through the grass they oh yeah crank them they swim bait them swim they do bait all them. sorts of nor- normal bass fishing stuff to catch the calicos well I'll, I'll tell you a funny story speaking about swim baits um bastrix swim baits was actually their biggest part of their business wasn't even the bass side it was the calico side um fishing the kelp beds really yeah that was their biggest there was their biggest part of the business was that that's how they actually started which was sweet because it translated over. So are we going to be able to see her on like TV shows in the near future? I hope so. Cause if that <laughs> comes to fruition, you got to let the, you got to let the day four listeners know where they could turn on and see. Hey, we got to, we got to walk before we run. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying everything has to start somewhere. So yeah, I hope she, I hope so because California is expensive, man. Some person says never heard of a, calico bass and what's a kelp bed kelp bed is basically like a think of like a hydrilla bed on gunnersville except it's called kelp k-e-l-p correct they look like corn they look like underwater corn fields um and and ketchup is made from kelp part of ketchup uh some some of the a lot of the foods you eat have kelp what Mm -hmm. ketchup yeah a lot of the foods you eat will have kelp in them had no clue yeah like that that's kelp and then they hang out. They hang out around there. Yeah, just like bass do, and and just like freshwater bass do in in grass beds. That's what these saltwater bass do. 
and they and then, look they look similar. They're yeah. modeled and marbled, but the body style, the body profile, and the mouth and stuff they look very similar. Pull I'm pull one, one up. up. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Like it looks like a mix between a. I mean, that's what it is. Look at that. Yeah, that's sweet. And you can but, lip them and. Right, they're they're almost identical as far as that stuff goes. The crazy the crazy enough thing, I'll bet you though those things. Everything you catch in the ocean pools like its life depends on it. So I'll bet you those things are well. Most of it does pull like it because there's not much. uh, There's not much in the ocean that goes back into the ocean after you catch it. I think most of the guys they do like catchway release calico bass tournaments, but I would imagine they're probably also delicious. I don't know if that's taboo to say, but yeah, I don't know either. I've never eaten one, Um, but they are cool. They're very cool. Uh, a lot of cross, like I said, a lot of crossover baits. We actually did a crossover bait show early on in day four, where we talked about a lot of, uh, Pradco's and Booyah saltwater bait, specifically the saltwater spook and stuff that you use. Right. And the Alabama Alabama rig was a striper rig Mm -hmm. and they, and they trolled similar things for salmon too, you know, with the big umbrellas and the, all the baits coming off of them. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you did mention to me that we need to make sure to let everyone know. Uh, there it is. Oh, yeah, we, the we have this is this is like going now. Like this is for being the a while. Like it's not right, doesn't till, expire till, at the end of the month. No, this is until December thirty first. Lurenet.com, the loyal listener code capital BTL twenty three fifteen percent off all regularly priced items at Lurenet. Yeah, and you'll want to pay attention to this code because in about a week or two, there's some really special stuff coming out, um, which I'll get into more detail later, uh, that you guys will be really happy about this 15% off. So, but I'll clue you in on that the minute, the very second, the second I can. All right. Now, I was troll uh, trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I was perusing, I guess I was trolling the LureNet site, and I got to pull this bait up because this came up, and I have never, I want to know, do you know anything about this color? I have never heard, seen it. Uh, it's the it's the weirdest color I've ever seen, Frank. You ready for it? I'm ready. Lay it on me. That is a color that for the Do you have wall- anything to do with that? No, I don't, but I do, I do, I How do would you paint. describe that? Okay. So the front, of, the front of it's marbled. Um, you, you have to remember the walleye and the Xander are almost the exact same animal, except Xander can get way bigger than our walleye can. Um, and so in Europe, they fish with these for Xander a lot. So there's a lot of colors. Are they Gothic? Themed. Yeah, they're just, dude, a Xander and a walleye, if you looked at a three-pound Xander and a three-pound walleye, the Undertaker. That's so weird (laughs) that you say that, Clay. I've been on a massive Undertaker kick on on, uh, the Peacock streaming network. I watched the five-part Undertaker Last Ride series. That's why I'm laughing. Like, over the last 48 hours, I've been doing that. Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. Um, so that's a marbling technique, and basically, what you do is you wrap the bait up in a. It's I, I use a ribbon. It's a it's a ribbon that is um, 
it's got holes all over it. It's real stringy and it's a ribbon for packaging. Um, and I'll wrap the bait in that and then I'll start laying my colors down, peel it off, lay some pearls down, wrap it back up, do some different other pearls. And every time you remove it and rewrap it, you're getting different pattern all over the bait. Um, but yeah, so that colors that colors weird, but um, walleye are crazy. I mean, here, look, some of the walleye colors that I designed are the most avant-garde, out there, crazy, crazy colors. But it works for those animals, um, and I don't know why, but they just the crazier it is, the better the walleye like it. The, I guess the craziest bass color that was, I guess, accepted would have been the bandit mistake. Right. Um, that's the craziest idea that was accepted, but it worked. That, that color of the mistake caught a lot of fish, man. I mean, a lot, a lot of fish. And the crazy enough thing is, I don't think anybody ever tried to duplicate that. It was basically uh, each side of the bait was painted differently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That shows you the, the different sides. Yeah, that, that red on one side, chartreuse, like bumblebee. I guess it kind of combines together to make like a tomato fire tiger. Yeah, because if you if you if you move the bait in the water, the bait not only does it wobble side to side, it pitch and rolls. So so you get a mix of that color. It's like this. If you if you paint a rim on a car. And, and every spoke you paint alternate red, white, red, white, red, white. Okay. When the car moves, the rim looks pink. And so this bait does the same thing when it's moving through the water, it, the colors combine uh, with each other. So it's pretty, it's a pretty neat idea. Um, I think I didn't, I think they called it a mistake on purpose. I don't think it was really a mistake. Um, I think they called it that on purpose, and it it took off. Catches a lot of fish. That color. Uh, uh, also on LureNet, we haven't we haven't done a quick uh, overview on what's going on at LureNet in a couple weeks, so we'll jump on there. Uh, Let's see what we got. Assault Shad new uh, P seventy one new Rebel P seventy one. Not your color, but a very cool color. I, I can a, get behind that color. Yeah, I can get behind that color easily. Um, that the, I like the way they put the, the blue pearl over the silver, uh, scales that, that really represents well in the water. Um, so you can look at a bait and tell how it was painted, like what colors, like how to do it. So like, like I yeah. look at it and I just see a cool paint scheme, but, but you look at it and you see all the different layers, how it was laid down, the order it was laid down, mm -hmm. how it was finished. So you're basically you can like take it and disassemble a bait just by looking at it based yeah. on how it's painted. Absolutely. Absolutely can. Um, it's weird because that's, that's kind of how I look at paint jobs. When I look at a paint job, um, I'm, I'm thinking how, how was that painted? Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, if I, especially if I like it, if I like it, I'm like, Ooh, that's cool. How is that painted? And then I can literally duplicate it if yeah. I wanted to. And bank, then, and, bank and Creek bundles. Yeah. The September, October bank and Creek looks like a lot of, uh, top water options in there. 
some shaky sure, head time, stuff. Time, some a, time a year. Hey, have you ever got dialed in? I see the the hard head right there. Have you actually gotten dialed in yet on that? I know that that was one of the techniques that you're in the process Cur- of mastering. Yeah, cu- currently currently working through some things with it. Um, very effective technique. Um, I am not, I am not willing to speak on it at this moment, um, because there's some, I have some ideas and so I, I want to see if they come to fruition, but, um, basically it's a great technique. Um, similarly with a football jig, I, at times I would go to the heavy football jig, the three quarter ounce and just keep it rolling. Um, very similar to that. Only the loose hook on the wobble head gives it way more action. And I think better hookup percentages while you're keeping it moving. Um, the one thing I do know is that when you're keeping it moving, when you get the bite, you keep reeling and you keep pulling. Um, and that's if you set the hook like a like you're fishing a jig, you lose half of them. You got to keep and- right. 100%. You got to keep it moving when they take it. You keep reeling and you just sweep into it and you just keep reeling and you get and you land your landing percentages go way up doing that. Uh all right, let's close this and we don't really get into this much on the show, but the Bassmaster Elite Series just came out with their schedule. I have it pulled up here. Uh we're not going to have a regularly uh scheduled BTL. We've got a recorded BTL on Monday cuz I'll be at uh Watts Bar plying the waters for five keepers. But <laughs> just remember, I, catch one at a time. One that's what I said, one at a time. You can't call till you catch one. That's uh, right. But I thought it was a very interesting kind of interesting schedule. I don't know. I didn't get your opinion. It's an old school schedule. It starts out with Toledo Bend in in uh, late February, back to back Toledo Bend and Lake Fork. Uh, late February, early March, classic on Grand, as we know, then back-to-back events on the Harris Chain and the St. John's, then an early May event on Lake Murray, then a or mid-June event on Wheeler Lake, then uh, a week off, and then Smith Lake in Alabama, so a late-June event on Smith Lake, and then wrapping things up with back-to-back events on Champlain and the St. Lawrence River in uh, in August, but uh, some historic fisheries on that schedule, some ones that they're used to. Yeah. I mean, the two in Texas, Toledo Bend's the first one in February, correct? Yeah. Toledo Bend's February 22nd through 25th. That's going to be a really good event. I think that intrigues me to no end. Um, to be honest, because there's a lot of offshore stuff still going on in February, um, on Toledo Bend. Yeah. I mean, those fish are still going to probably be depending on it, there'll be some fish in their winter patterns still like the deep holes out there. And- right. They'll be staging up in the, in the channel splits going up into the pockets, but, it, but on the main lake, but where the mm-hmm. channels split, um, Toledo Ben really intrigues me. Um, and then the other one that, uh, is going to be, um, interesting is going to be Smith in Alabama. That'll be really interesting. Um, because the, you're going to be f- pretty far removed from the spawn at that point. And I think you're going to have fish starting to stage and several doing several different things. I think you're going to see fish caught a few different ways there, but the offshore bite can start to get really spectacular in June, really spectacular. Um, Champlain and thousand islands in August. 
uh, Champlain, Thousand Islands will be very predictable. Yeah, it'll Champ- be the same thing. So yeah. Champlain. And Champlain could be off the hook uh, yeah. for the guys on the right stuff. Uh, here's what I'm seeing, Frank, which is interesting. I think there's a potential for seven of these events to be one using either a jerkbait or a Demiki rig. Yeah, I'm not going like, to disagree with Toledo that. Bend. Uh, Toledo Bend will be a Demiki and a jerkbait. Fork will be a jerkbait. I think, I think, dude, I think Toledo Bend, I think you might see some, some football jig and ledge action on Toledo okay. Bend. Crankbaiting, football jigging. Um, I think you'll see, you'll see at least one dude in the top 10 doing all that stuff. Old school. Yeah. Which is old school now. <laughs> uh, classic on Grand, Demiki and Jerkbait will definitely have a chance to win it. One of the two in Florida, Harris Chain or St. John's will be a forward facing sonar with a jerk bait. Depends on how bad they how about how much they are on the beds April eleventh through fourteenth and eighteenth through twenty first. That's probably but a it little should, bit it late. It should be winding down by then. I mean they're they're yeah. they because Florida starts, let's be honest, Florida spawn starts in October, December. November, yeah, December, somewhere exactly. around there. And then it's hot and heavy the end of January, February, and it starts to wane in March. So by April, you could have some fish on the beds because they don't all spawn at the same time. Um, so you could have that, but I don't think that's going to be the main gig um, down there. I really uh, don't. Lake Murray, May 9th through 12th. You're talking a herring spawn, potentially yeah. fish still on the bed post spawn. That one we've seen what they've done at Murray before. Murray's a juggernaut right now. It's a top top 10 fishery. Wheeler, the middle of June. That's just, you know, the point of the year where everyone's angry and they'll just get more angry at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I mean, like there's dudes that are just going to just, fight for four days like literally just cuss out each other for four days and then they have to go to smith and chase these suckers around in open water over 100 feet yeah exactly <laughs> dude but but smith lake smith lakes it it's an underrated spot of bass fishery it my- is it could be tough i guess when we fished it, it was like early october and they were like on fingernail bait over 100 foot of water oh forget it yeah it was a little rough yeah, forget uh it. and then Obviously, we know what to expect with Champagne and St. Lawrence, but hopefully, in the next uh, in the next couple opens shows, uh, the Bassmaster or the next couple day four shows, the Bassmaster open schedule will come out, which hopefully. may or may not require some action, some rapid action. It well, it may or may not. I mean, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think my son Frankie and I are gonna. Are we to the point where you're gonna analyze it at least? Yeah, we're going to, I'm analyzing it. Um, but, but this season, I think I'm going to fish some team tournaments with Frankie. Um, okay. we, I quit fishing tournaments after Bassmasters mm-hmm. and I never really thought, I, I never really thought about it. Um, I just quit doing it. And, um, you know, he made a point to me. He wanted to fish team events with me. And, um, I just, you know, there's no reason why I shouldn't, he wants to do it and I'm capable. And so I, I decided that, yeah, we're going to fish together and have fun, whether we win, lose, or draw, we're just going to go out. We're going to fish a few tournaments together and have a good time and not, you know, I'm not going to get caught up in the weeds like I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I'm not going to roll over either. I, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't know how it's going to go, but we fish really good together. And there's no reason we shouldn't do it because um, as a father who loves to fish with a son who loves to fish. Um, yeah. We're Making idiots. memories. Yeah, we're idiots. All right. So together. the open schedule isn't out yet. But they're they're doing it if they do it the same way they've done it they'll have nine events they'll have divisions one two and three they don't call it east west south north anymore but they call it one two and three but what would make sense if this is a possibility is fishing one of the divisions because if you fish all three of the events in one of the divisions and you win one you make the bass master class correct you can't qualify for the elite series you don't want to qualify for the elite no no i'm not but but hypothetically what is your perfect, let's say, Division Three schedule that would really make you question life decisions as to as to what you need to be doing next year? Give us, give us, give us five fisheries that if the three of the five, five yeah, Dude, yeah because I'm, you can't, are you just trying to pick? You can't pick all three. I mean, yeah, that's that's a fool's bet. Yeah, that's a fool's but if, bet. but let's say if you could get three, if you have five that are. And and we're talking, you know, kind of in one region. I mean, like you can't have one region isn't going to include like Grand and Thousand Islands. They're all going to no, be no, kind no, of no, that region. No, no. So I, I'm on it. I'm on okay. it. Okay. So what are ones that if when that comes out and people are looking at at it for Uncle Frank, like, hey, this might, you know, he might consider it. What are five fisheries that they're okay. going to look for? All right, uh, Champlain, Oneida, Thousand Islands, Norman, and any of the Finger Lakes. Okay. Easy travel schedule. Um, smallmouth fisheries, obviously, with the exception of Norman. Mm-hmm. Not that smallmouth matters. I mean, I'm just, I'm happy on largemouth fisheries, right. but um, you know, that's I picked them. That's could it. you could you substitute Norman for like another like a Murray or a Hartwell or any of those? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll substitute Norman for any lake within that. Okay, like none of those Carolina spotted bass lakes is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, because the reality of it is, is it's three events. Um, it's not, it's not a big, big mm-hmm. ordeal. Um, but I am out of pocket for it all. Yep. Um, and um, you know. I have a budget I try to adhere to. <laughs> I know, but there's also also where there may be some limited edition Frank Frank paraphernalia. That sounded bad. Clothing <laughs> coming out. <laughs> paraphernalia coming okay. out uh, that might be able to offset that. But yeah, no, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be very uh, very. It's intriguing. gonna be it's gonna be tricky because if I if I sign up for this team trail with Frankie. Um, then I'm not going to be able to do the opens. That's um, three weeks. And then we could room together. We could do live shows during it. I'm I'm with you. I'm hearing you. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> Watch Bassmasters is watching this going, okay, Champlain, Oneida, Thousand Islands. We're, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> no, I think they're, I think they're very, uh, I think they're close to coming out with the open schedule. Uh, it's kind of the last schedule. Uh, I thought the they elite. released. Yeah, I thought they released that after the last open. No, not not typically. I mean, they might. I don't know. Well, the that's less than a month. That's a month away. 
Wow. We're getting down to the nitty gritty boys. We are. All right. Uh, anything else before we wrap this one up, Frank? No, no. I like that. Now for those who, who were like, well, how the heck did this guy get on this channel and share it? How do you learn all this stuff? That's a great, go back and watch the last two weeks. You kind of get a feel, a really good yeah. feel for everything that, uh, that's been going on. Now, fairly accurate timeline. It is. All right. Thanks for sharing the story, Uncle Frank. This has been, well, I'm, I'm pulling the music up. I'm trying to do 8 million different things at once. You're good, dude. You just let her rip, man. All you right. got this it has been control. another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. Uh, we will be back. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Either stay tuned to, to uh, Basso.com for the schedule. Either be a recorded show next week because I'll be gone or it'll be a live show in the evening. couple factors depending on that. But either way, we'll be back next Thursday with the show. So... See you, Uncle Frank.